Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. I got to tell you and let you in on a little bit of my life is I went through kind of a season of losing things, okay? Uh, I went through a season of where I just kind of lost multiple things, like about in a year and a half or so. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I lost is I lost one of my favorite shirts. Like, I could not find it anywhere. And so I searched through the house, looked through all my closet, all the drawers, you know, went through my kids' clo- you know, closet and drawers, like, did it get put there? And I couldn't find it anywhere. I just lost it. So, and then uh, a little while later, I lost a pair of shorts, and so I was pretty sure that I lost it at the gym. You know, I'd worked out, and I, you know, I changed there and went to work, and so I was pretty sure I left it there. I went back, hoping to find them in the lost and found, and could not find them anywhere. I guess somebody needed my do- dirty shirts, shorts. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. So I lost that, and then in the same season of losing things, one day, I could not find my keys anywhere. And so my kids are searching. When they were younger, they're searching all over it. Nikki's helping me search. We couldn't find my keys anywhere. Finally, I found them in the basement uh, on the bookshelf where I had set them while I was getting a book. And so I eventually found them. My wife decided to buy one of those key racks at that point where that when I came in that my keys went in the same spot every single time. And so I lost it. Kind of reminds me of the story of the dad who couldn't find his keys. He was trying to get to work every, uh, that day and he searched everywhere, couldn't come up with them anywhere. And so eventually he just had to get the other set of keys and get to work before he was too late uh, getting there. He eventually found his keys. Uh, He didn't know, and there's a picture of it here, he didn't know that his two-year-old needed him to start his car. So, 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 and then I losing things, this final loss that I had is I lost a pair of jeans. Like how do you lose a pair of jeans? It's not like a sock that gets stuck in the dryer or something. You know, how do you lose that? And I was trying to keep this one quiet because I had lost all these other things. I didn't want to tell anybody. I kind of searched quietly, you know, for it. And then uh, I still couldn't find it. So eventually my wife asked me, she's like, why don't you ever wear those jeans that I got you, like, you know, for Christmas a year ago? And I was like, well, I lost them, you know, because I really wanted to say to her, you know, well, I donated them to somebody in need, but I couldn't say it. I had to tell the truth. You know, I lost them. She's like, how do you lose a pair of jeans? I was like, I don't know. How do you lose that? So I went through this season of loss. And, you know, talking about Christmas time and talking about, you know, different things, as I was thinking about uh, Christmas of 2000 was really the worst Christmas ever that I ever experienced. And here's why. And it wasn't like it was supposed to be bad. It was going to be really good. We were traveling. uh, We were in Texas at the time. Uh, and living there, and we were traveling to Chicago to uh, my wife's family for Christmas. I was looking forward to the time off, looking forward to just being with family, uh, looking forward to enjoying all the great things that goes along with Christmas. And so it's about a 15-hour drive, and about halfway through that drive, it started happening. I was feeling great, and it just I started feeling achy, started feeling uh, cold, started running a fever, and I just felt terrible. We stopped and got some medication, put it in, and I think for the remaining six, seven hours of the trip, I was awake for like 15 minutes. Nikki was on her own the rest of that trip there. And so we get to uh, Chicago finally that evening, and I, you know, try not to hug anybody and contaminate anyone and just go straight to bed. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll be better by Christmas Eve. And so... Uh, Christmas Eve's the next day, and so we get up. I don't feel any better. They have plans to go across the street to her aunt and uncle's house for Christmas. 
and I am not feeling any better, and so I am stuck on the couch uh, with my box of Kleenex and watching Home Alone. And it didn't feel really funny at that point, right time, because I felt home alone. And so with the point of, hey, maybe tomorrow it's Christmas Day, I'll take a turn and it'll be good. And so, you know, I uh, get up the next day and I don't feel any better. And they had plans to go to another relative's house to celebrate Christmas. And so I'm there with my box of Kleenex and my stinking can of chicken noodle soup from Campbell's, you know, uh, for my meal that day. And, And not that that's bad, it was just not what I had hoped for. I was planning on the turkey and the dressing and all the Christmas desserts and cookies and all of those wonderful things, but it wasn't happening. And then I, of course, had the thoughts. You know, out of all the days in the year, the other 363 days, why couldn't it have been on one of those days that I got the flu? Why couldn't it have been, you know, that day as opposed to this one? And why did it have to be on my Christmas vacation? And that Christmas is ever etched in my memory as the worst ever because I felt like I lost Christmas that year. There wasn't a whole lot of rejoicing going on in my circumstances at the time. You know what? A change in our circumstances oftentimes can take the air out of our sails. We have all suffered a loss in life. And many of them are far, far greater than me losing the Christmas of 2000 that I felt that I lost. Some of us have lost jobs. We've lost homes. We've lost friendships. Lost that financial nest egg that we had been planning for years. Maybe lost a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe lost our health, lost our dream, lost our marriage, or even lost a dear loved one. Losses deflate us. They give us rather a negative perspective. They evaporate hope from our lives. I mean, let's be honest. Some circumstances are just heart-wrenching. They're mind-blowing. They're emotional devastators. And it can even be faith crushers if we're not careful. Circumstances that we face in life cause us often to fall into depression and anxiety and worry and fear over what the future may bring. And today what I want to talk about is Christmas time is often a season of hope. We talk about the anticipation of Jesus came, the Messiah, the ultimate hope to the world. And and we talk about the season of hope. And there's many different seasons that we go through in life. And today I want to talk about uh, a season of loss and how we can have hope in even in a season of loss that we might be going through. And so as we talk about this, there's one verse that I just want you guys, and maybe uh, you can put this to memory. We're going to put it up on the screen. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And and I just wanted you to read it with me. And I just encourage you, this verse is a key verse of just, hey, allowing us to really remember uh, who our God is. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope By the power of the Holy Spirit. You think about that. May the God of hope. Our God is a God of hope. And he wants us to be filled with hope as we trust in him. That we might be overflow with hope. Not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's one statement that I want you to get today from this message. Is this. Is God is not lost in your loss. God is not lost in your loss that you may be facing today. 
as we look at this, is I want to uh, take a, uh, a part of the Christmas story, and then really this is the prequel to the Christmas story. Uh, this is the story before Jesus comes. This is the story of his cousin coming into the world, John the Baptist, who we refer to. And so I want to pick up of what's going on and what's happening in this season of loss that this couple is going through and how their story ended up in hope, but it didn't start out that way. And so let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says this, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who, long, who belonged to the priestly division of, his, of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. You know, as we look at this scripture, we see the situation. These are two very godly and just good people. I mean, this is a priest and his wife. They are good people. It says that they are righteous. And we see in their story that, hey, they've got some bad news here. They can't have children. And they are old. And honestly, they are beyond the days of being able to physically have a child. And so you think about it. All of their younger years, how many years did they spend praying and asking God for a child to bless them with a child? And how many prayers that it prayed over the years and they were not answered. And I'm sure after a period of time that they had given up all hope. Hey, we're beyond our age to be able to have children. Why would we even keep praying that? It's too painful to be able to pray that. And we also know culturally at that time that, that, that this would have been just more than not being able to have a child. But childlessness was a blemish on their marriage. Childlessness was considered at that time, as a struggle of just the shame. And they had no thought of being able to have a child. And I'm sure uh, the first loss that they experienced as they were thinking of is the loss of their future. Because of Elizabeth's barrenness, they could not experience not only the joy of having children, but what would happen to their future? What would the legacy that they would be able to pass down through their children? It wouldn't be there. And even for their future at that time, that society, who would take care of them when they were unable to take care of themselves? There were more questions that they had than hope for the future. There were not only questions, but there was a lot more. Because when we hope for something and it doesn't happen, we start asking questions, why? We start asking questions, God, did I do something? God, did I not do something? Like, why are you not answering this prayer? Why is this not coming together? And I'm sure what happens, just like for Zach and, and Liz here, like we do oftentimes, we start comparing I'm sure they started comparing. You know, what about so-and-so down the street? I mean, what are they doing differently than what we're doing? I mean, we want to have a child. We desire to have this, but you're not answering those prayers. Why did they seem to have favor and we don't? Anybody like me ever had those train of thoughts running through your mind? Like, God, why? But it's important that we don't allow those thoughts to run rampant in our mind, but we need to bring them to God because God makes it clear. They haven't done anything wrong. They ha they've done everything right. They're righteous. They're good people, but they have not experienced what they hoped for. I can't tell you how many people as a pastor, uh, just good people, 
uh, good people, just righteous people that have come to me when they're going through a season of loss, when they're going through just something that is unbelievable for them, they're asking me, you know, Pastor, what, what, did, I, what did I not do? Or what did, have we done? Have we done something? And I have to continue to assure them, no. We haven't done anything that's caused this. We all go through seasons of challenges and difficulty and seasons of loss. And this season that you're going through is going to pass as well. There will be joy again. There will be hope again because your God is faithful. You know, what if the story ended right here for Zach and Liz? be sad. It wouldn't give us a whole lot of hope. And some of us today, you may feel like, hey, there's not a lot of hope for me. You know, uh, there's not a whole lot of hope for the situation that I find myself in. It doesn't seem like it's ever going to happy ending, have a happy ending. It's not going to be filled with joy. And let me just say, wait, hold on a minute. No situation is hopeless when God is in the mix. No situation is defined by a season of loss forever. Your story is never ended when God is in it. God is not lost in your loss. Sure, your story may have some difficult twists and turns. It may be very hard to bear right now. It look, may look very bleak. But your situation provides God a perfect situation for him to show up. I want to go a little bit further on what happened to Zach and Liz Zach is on duty at the temple. He's supposed to go in and burn the incense. And this is where we pick up the story where God shows up, where God appears to him in this. And so let's look at it. It says this, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. Continue on. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Good news came to Zach and Elizabeth. In their old age, they were going to have a son. Can you imagine the headlines in the village at that time, you know, hey, 65, 70-year-old woman gives birth. I mean, we don't know how old she was. We just know that she was old. And I want you to think about another loss that happens in the story here. Is not only uh, was there uh, the loss, there was this other loss, is that Zachariah lost his voice. He wasn't able to share all that he experienced because, hey, because he didn't believe, because he didn't trust what the angel was saying. And the message there is that he was unable to speak until John was born. Now, there's probably some good side and some bad side to this. I mean, you know, they say a guy averages about 7,000 words a day, you know, like, and, and then he's like done, you know, like, and then they say a woman has about 20,000 words a day. 
uh, that, that they can share and speak. And, and I don't know the statistics. I'm sure it's different for each and every, every person there. But there's times that, you know, I speak back at home at my church, and then we have a few meetings after, and I tell Nikki, hey, I'm, I'm done with my words. I don't have any more. You know, it's going to be kind of quiet here for a little while. You know, I'm sure so, so there was a little benefit there, you know, is that he didn't have to speak his 7,000 words every day. But then the other side of that is, you know, Elizabeth, she got extra words. She could do more than 20,000, right? He couldn't talk back, right? What's she going to do with that? So uh, I, I'm sure there was that, that positive thing. I mean, there is that Chinese proverb that says the tongue is the sword of the woman and she never lets it get rusty, you know? I, but anyway, going on, I'm, I'm digressing here, moving on. So, so here's the thing. But she could, hey, she could say, hey, I'm going to go buy that, that very expensive crib that we saw down the road for, for John. You know? And what's he going to say? He can't say anything, right? He can't say no. So as we think about this, it's interesting the story that Zach in this story doubts. Doubts that this can happen to them in their old age. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. Why would he doubt that? I mean, he's a priest, for crying out loud. He knew the story of Abraham and Sarah. All of the Israelites knew the story of Abraham and Sarah, that Sarah was 90 years old when she became pregnant, that, that she was 90 years old when she had a child, that Abraham was 100 years old. And so why wouldn't Zechariah believe that God was going to bless them, that they were too old to do it? And here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was reading this story and I was thinking about it. He says this, it's this point. We can sometimes believe God can do great things for other people, but not for us. And here's the thing. A lot of times we can believe and we can pray for somebody else. Yes, I'll pray for so-and-so and I'll believe that it can happen for them. I, I will continue to trust God to happen. But a lot of times as we start doubting when it comes to us. That we don't believe that the favor of God rests upon us. And here's the truth of it. God is crazy about you. His favor rests on every single one of us. Every single one of his child, children. God is no respecter of person. And just like he answered for Abraham and Sarah. Just like he answered for Zechariah and Elizabeth. He will answer your prayers. He will bring favor into your life. So when you come to praying for someone else, I want you to continue to pray for the same intensity, believing God is going to do it in your life as well. Because we need to believe that God can do it for us. I had another thought as I was thinking about just Zach losing his voice, and it's this. You may find yourself in a season of loss right now. Because of it, you have no words. You don't want to even want to talk about the season that you're in. Maybe you feel shame because of a situation and it just hurts so much. Maybe the loss that you're experiencing is not even because of your loss, but because of the poor choices of others. And you may feel like you don't even have any words to pray. You know, I went through a season of loss and where I felt like I lost words is because I, I felt like I, I had failed uh, in many ways. And I felt like I lost my voice. We planted a church, and many of you guys know, uh, in uh, Royal Oak, Michigan, uh, inside Metro Detroit. And so uh, when we planted that church, you know, there were things that we dreamed of, things that we believed uh, for and believed God for. And, and some of those things came to pass, and many of them uh, did not how we had dreamed them. And we spent seven years there just laboring and working uh, we had a church that was about 75 to, you know, maybe 90 people there and uh, that would come and, and we didn't see the growth that we hoped that we would see at different times. Uh, we sometimes, we were barely making it financially where, hey, when the checks got cut, we didn't get a check cut because 
We were just kind of fighting through it. And God provided, and God made a way, but there was struggle. And I remember at the end of that seven years where we knew God was moving us on from that season and from that church and into that next place, as I went through that place of just, I didn't even really want to talk about some of the things because some of them hurt. Some of them I just didn't realize the things that God had done, and I felt disappointed, I felt discouraged, I felt down, and I remember just having to really seek God during that next season and that transition season of, God, you got to restore, you've got to, to work in my heart because this is how I'm feeling, and I don't even have words for it. And I remember over that time and over that next year is, is uh, God really began to speak into my heart, and He began to remind me of His perspective on everything. And He reminded me of people within that church. He reminded me of the couple that had no relationship with Jesus, but today they have a relationship with Jesus and they are serving Him and they are going faithfully attending church and they are reaching out to homeless people within the community. That we are part of that. Then he reminded me of the homeless man, that he was literally on the streets, that through our church and through what we were able to do, we were able to rescue him off the streets and he's no longer on the streets today. Then he reminded me of, uh, of the man that showed up at our church that he had contemplated before coming of taking his life and that life wasn't worth living. He met Jesus at our church and today he works at a boy's ranch for troubled youth, helping them. And then he reminded me of the couple that were part of our leadership team that we really poured into. We, we helped them grow and helped them develop. And today, uh, they're leading a life challenge ministry in Ohio, uh, reaching and rescuing drug addicts off of the street. And I look at that and I think back is I had lost my voice in that time, but God had to give me his perspective. God had to transform it. God gave me my voice back to believe for greater things. The final loss of the story is the loss of, of barrenness. Ultimately, their prayers were answered. Elizabeth was able to have a child. Her womb became fruitful in a time in her life where it shouldn't have been. God performed the miraculous for them. So what can we practically learn? And I'm just going to run through these really quickly here. What can we learn practically to apply to our lives from this story today that we need to hear? First is this, is don't stop walking righteously. Zach and Liz continued to follow God. They continued to do what's right regardless of what was happening, regardless of how their faith might have felt crushed because they were not receiving that. They continued to serve God and be virtuous. Proverbs 14 verse 9, it says this, Among the righteous there is favor. And this is the promise of God. Among the righteous, those continuing to live, continuing to do, didn't mean that Zach and Elizabeth were sinless or perfect people. No one except Jesus is. They made mistakes just like everyone else, but they continued to living, try to doing the right thing over and over. They morally depended upon God, and God's favor rested upon them. The second thing is I want to encourage you to do today, just practically, is write out the promise that God has given you. In this story, we know that Zach, when they asked him after John, right after he was born, what his name would be, he wrote John. He wrote it out because this was the promise that the angel had given him, that his name would be John. And so in the same way, what I want to encourage you today is in your season of loss, in every season of life, as I believe God speaks and God desires to speak to us consistently, doesn't mean that I hear from him every single moment of every single day, all of the time, but he speaks specific words at different times. 
He's going to give you a scripture, and I encourage you, you need to write those scriptures down that he gives you in whatever season you find yourself in. A season of loss or a season of just good things are happening. Write down those verses so that you have a place where you can come back to them. I put them on my phone. Not only that, God might use a person to speak to you. If they give you a word, write it down. Keep that promise in front of you. God may speak just something to your spirit. Write it down. Why? Because you're going to need it on the difficult days. You're going to need it on the days where it just feels like, hey, there's loss everywhere that you can just look at it and know this is what God has promises and I am standing upon those promises. God is going to bring them to pass. The third thing is that we need to take action. We need to do what we know to do. In this situation, Zach and Liz took action. Zach went home and loved his wife. He went home and wrote a love note to his wife, communicating maybe something like this. Roses are red, violets are blue, we may be gray, but let's go play, because pretty lady, we're going to have ourselves a baby. <laughs> we still got it, baby. I mean, they acted, I want to be funny here, acted on what they knew to do, right? A few years ago, you know, I was... You can see it. I'm starting to get a little bit more gray. And, uh, you know, I asked my wife, hey, should I do something about the gray? And she said, no, it makes you look more distinguished and distinguished is sexy. And I was like, bring on the gray, right? <laughs> All jokes aside is this, is that whatever God has spoken, whatever he speaks to you, we need to continue to take action. Continue to do what God has called you to do until he speaks to you next. The fourth thing is that we need to do is we need to pray honest prayers while we wait. Tell your God your pain. God is never afraid of our honesty. We can pour out our heart to him. Hannah in the Old Testament, uh, she found herself in the same situation. She could not have a child, and she poured out her heart to God, asking over and over and over again for that blessing of a child, and her prayers were answered. In this story, the angel said to Zach, God has heard your prayers. Rest in this truth. Every prayer that you pray, God hears. Every prayer that you prayed, God hears. The fifth thing is this, is focus on the right information. You can't have hope if you focus on the wrong information. You can't have hope if you're thinking it's impossible. You can't have hope if you're looking at all the negative information. You can't have hope if you only focus on what is right in front of you as opposed to what God can do. You can't have hope if you just focus on where you have messed up or screwed up in life. You can't have hope if you just focus on the person or the individual that may have hurt you and caused some of the circumstances that you find yourself in. So let me ask you, what are you fixing your thoughts on right now? What do you focus on? Because what you're focusing on will determine what your life is going to like and the level of hope that you have in your life. Focus on the fact that God has great plans on you. Focus on the fact that you are highly favored of God. Focus on the fact that he loves you and that he is crazy about you. Max Licato put it this way. He says, for us to remember, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. God is crazy about you. He sends flowers every springs and sunrise every morning. We must always remember this. God is for us. He is not against us. Focus on the right information. 
The next thing is this, trust God's timing and will. God's timing is perfect. You see, there was a bigger story being completed here than Zach and Elizabeth that they had no idea about. There was a bigger story that God had a perfect timing for, that they were being a part of. They wanted a child, but God was doing more than giving them a child. He was giving them a man of God that said he would lead many people back to God. Jesus even said this about John, that there is no greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. Because God had a plan that Zach and Elizabeth were, were bigger than what they were seeing, what they were believing. And he had a perfect timing because this would be ushering in Jesus, his son, stepping into our world to rescue. And let me just tell you this, God has a bigger plan as you're walking through your season right now. God has a greater plan that you can't see it right now. You don't know it, but even in your season of loss, that he can turn it and he can make it great. And he can make it a powerful testimony of his greatness and of his power. The final thing is this, is that we need to realize God can push you further faster. You may feel like you're in a season that you will never recover from. You will never ever come true. Let me just say this, God can always accelerate his plan in your life. He can always accelerate it. Zach and Liz didn't think it was possible. They were too old. They were past their prime. They didn't think, they thought their window had closed, that it was not going to happen for them. And you may think, I can never recover. I can never recover financially. I can never get a job that paid like the one that I had. I can never find the love of my life again or love again after the hurt that I have experienced. God is not lost in your season of loss. Keep hoping. Keep believing. God can accelerate. God can make you skip some steps to get to where he wants you to be. He can't. The perfect example of this is Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph is in the prison. He finds himself in the prison and in the same day he is in the palace. Because God had a perfect timing. He accelerated the plan. He went from being in the prison to being second in command in the greatest nation in the world at that time. Because God can accelerate it. Because God can bring it to pass. God can push you further faster than you can imagine. I want to go back to our verse here. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 here that we started this whole message off with today. It says this. Read it with me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 